For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That verse alone is good. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs and together until now. That we who are children of God will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty or freedom of the children of God. For freedom you have been set free. This is the Word of God for the people of God. God. You may be seated. That line for freedom you have been set free is Galatians 5.1 if you want to know where that's found. For you have been set free not to be a captive any longer. God has chosen that you would be free in Jesus Christ. This was not a thing that was done in vain. Well, I got got something now. Don't tell everybody the answer. If you know it, some folks may want to know, you know, and this is one of those things where I just want to show you that we are all as people solution oriented. And you can get help from the kids if you want. And um, I will tell you this. What is two plus two? Anybody got the answer yet? Still working on it? Hmm. See, if we can't see a solution, we tend to let go of the situation. So, shout out. What do you think the answer is? Some people say four. Anybody got a different answer? Well, most people shout out four, but two plus two is not four. Two plus two is a problem. A mathematical problem. We looked for the answer instead of trying to define what the situation is, right? We always want to know the solution rather than figure out what the problem is. We do it in our faith all the time. For example, we see world turmoil. All this mess going on. American unrest with uh, our political... Climate is the best way I can say that as it gets more and more unpredictable. And we want God to provide solutions. God, fix it. But God, I think, is saying stop looking for answers and start learning what the problems are trying to tell us. Look at the problem for what it is. It's a problem. And why do we have problems. It's not because of sin. It's because if you don't have problems or contrary winds blow in your life, you will not grow. I didn't know this, but at the biosphere in the 90s, they had an environment where there was no wind. And the trees grew and could not support themselves. 
because they had no wind to strengthen the, their root structure and their trunk. They collapsed under their own weight. We need adverse conditions to grow. Now, I don't mean go find some adverse conditions so you can grow. They'll find you, I promise. If you have a life without any adversity in it, I don't know where you live. But I would call it denial. <laughs> and it's not a river in Egypt either. It's a, it's a place where you kind of don't see what the whole story is. So, I, I want to share with you that we have in our lives things that happen to help us to struggle through them so we can grow. It says, and clearly in Scripture, that our faith is tested by fire. It is not tested through good days. Our faith is not tested through easy moments. We don't know what we're made of until we get into the trial. And God clearly says in, through the Word that every work and every person will be tested by fire. And those cheap works like paper, straw, stubble will be burnt up. But the works of gold and silver are purified by fire. But, get this, gold and silver are only purified by the hottest of fires. So if there are a lot of adversity uh, moments in your life or you're going through something you just can't stop, that you have a situation you can't work through, that just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse, God's probably trying to make you into gold. Now you go, well, I wish you'd hurry up. Well, the only way you can hurry up is if He makes the flames hotter. Because gold takes its time to get the impurities out. But if you really want to shine for God, you need to be gold. And you need to go through some molten processes and uh, several times over to be refined, to be pure. We all want the final result. I want to be shining for God, but I don't want the process of getting the dirt cleaned out. You can't have it both ways. You have to go through the adversity, through the cleansing process of the Holy Spirit to work things through through your adversity. Through things that don't work out right because you've embattled God in those things. You might be going through some tough times now. You might be struggling. Last Sunday we talked about the struggle and what it's all about. And the devil may look like he's winning in your life. And that maybe you feel like he's getting close to the final fatal blow of your hope. Taking all hope. It's easy to look at your situation and look for answers and see it as a problem. But your problem is not the problem. You see a problem and God sees you struggle with it. And He wonders when we see Him in it and His deliverance forthcoming trusted. I don't know if you've heard me say this before or not, but a lot of people like to tell God about their troubles and problems. And I understand God helped me with this situation. But have you ever thought that maybe that struggle, that problem, is actually something you need to address yourself? 
and say, situation, bad moment, I got a God bigger than you and you're not going to defeat me because it is written that I shall live in the name of Jesus Christ because I belong to Him. You can't defeat me. Instead, we walk as though the problem is bigger than us when in actuality, the power that's at work in us is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That same power is bigger than any situation you can face. But sometimes we say, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. No, but I will tell you this. When hope feels gone, so does the opportunity to believe God can still do it. This morning I'm here to tell you that God can still do it. That God is able. God has not changed. If He's delivered the Hebrew children through a fiery furnace, the world in Noah through a flood, that He delivered the Israelite children across the Red Sea, all miraculous events, plus water from a rock, and the walls of Jericho to fall by shouting a praise against the problem? If God can do that then, He can do it now. Amen. He can change water into wine, raise the dead, heal the sick, cause the blind to see and the lame to leap for joy. He can cast out wickedness out of wicked people and bring them to sanity like He did the Gerasenian demoniac. He can do all these things and more. God isn't done working out things, but you may feel like He's working on somebody else right now. That yours is a little later on. But i got to tell you that God is never late. You may wish that He'd do something quicker, and you may want Him to do something now, but God says, I need you to learn something. And the moment you get it, deliverance happens. So when you're facing something, say, God, what are you trying to show me? Where are you refining my heart? Where are you trying to make me a more perfect example of Jesus Christ? When you ask those questions and really seek God for the answers and really want God... He says He will be there. The way it says in Scripture in James is if you resist the devil, He will flee from you. And then you draw near to God and He will come near to you. So you have to resist the temptation that this thing's bigger than God and then say, God, I'm coming to you. I don't care what this thing says, how it's making me question everything. I'm still coming to you. Devil, get behind me. Problem, you're not God. You're not from God. And if you are, I trust God with it. Either way, God's got this. And sometimes we just need to hear that. Sometimes you just need to know that God has not quit on you. And there comes that moment when God does something and everything changes. And there are some people now who said that that moment won't happen. That it can't happen. Let's take a look at Jesus. Jesus carrying the cross by our streets 
unrecognizable as the person from the beatings and scourgings that he's received. Terribly no longer human in form. Carrying that, put on the cross, spikes through his arms and legs, and dying through asphyxiation, where he's no longer able to push himself up to get a breath, but just hangs and sags, no longer able to breathe, and dies. I don't know about you, but to me, if I'm looking on, I think it's over. Jesus himself said it's finished. Wouldn't I have agreed with him? It's over. God can't do anything with that. Isn't that what we tell God sometimes? You can't do anything with this. This situation, you just don't understand, God. It's impossible. Well, to make it matters worse, they put him in a tomb and sealed it and made sure he was dead. And dead three days. Someone's dead three days. I'm sure scientists are going to tell you they're brain dead. Someone's going to say, you know, if that person comes back to life, they're probably just going to be a zombie. Just a walking thing that doesn't have any intellect whatsoever. So, yeah, it's over. Everybody who knows something about something other than faith in Jesus Christ is going to tell you that there's a time when God can't do anything. You see, Jesus was a problem for those folks. And Calvary was their solution. (laughs) What do you do with the problem? You get rid of the problem. You get the solution, right? If there's going to be unrest in the temple and among the world leaders, let's get rid of the problem. And they put Him on the cross. But let me tell you something else. People today still see Jesus as a problem. If you don't believe in Jesus, He is the thorn in your side. He's a problem. There is nobody I've ever heard have a neutral position on Jesus Christ. They either say He is what He is, or He's not what He says He is, and that people are misled. Jesus is a problem for an unbelieving world. And Jesus is also a problem for the believer who doesn't quite get it yet. I had a conversation the other day with a man been saved a few years, was on fire for God, all in, doing everything, and somehow or another, he kind of fizzled. And he was sitting there frustrated, saying, I, I want to be all in for God. I want to be, but my mind, I, I just don't know how. I can't be all in for God. My mind won't let me, and I don't know what to do. And once I start being all in, I fizzle out again. I just don't know what's going on. Maybe you have that same mindset that you lose the fire every now and then, or you lose touch with God, and you go, What happened to me? What's wrong with me? And what you're doing is you're looking for a solution for what happened. Nothing happened. You've come to a place where you've got to grow deeper. The place where God feels most distant and most far away is a place where you've got to dig your roots in deeper into the faith. Do you remember my Hope is Built song, the hymn we sing? It says, My anchor holds within a veil when I can't see Him and the storms around me, the stormy winds assail, my anchor still holds. My anchor holds, but I can't see it. 
That's when your faith is tested. That's when you grow. This is the moment when all that stuff that you used to have, you say, God, I don't feel that way. God's going, and you, and you won't be satisfied until you do. Don't forget that. Because when He was all in, He was all happy. And when you're real close to God and fired up, everything's good again. And you hunger for that and nothing else satisfies you. You can't get it anywhere else. Nothing else will do that for your heart. And when you get into a situation where God seems this, you go, God, what happened? I used to have all this passion and now I'm stuck in a rut and I don't know what to do. And God's saying, at least you know, that isn't what you're built for. You're not built to live like a problem is your life. You're built to be an overcomer in Jesus Christ. You're built to have a new day dawn with a resurrection from the struggle. With Jesus Christ rising up like a morning star and you have the peace and the joy that is now yours in Him. When He comes and changes everything in a moment. You can't have a resurrection without a crucifixion. And that crucifixion hurts. But God says, I didn't bring My Son there to stay on the cross. I didn't bring My Son to stay in a tomb. I brought Him to come and die and resurrect so you might believe that the thing is true for you. That your days of darkness have a dawn in Jesus Christ. And they do. It was Friday and Jesus was dead. The onlookers are satisfied. All the demons and Satan all rejoicing. They've won. Saturday, still dark. No sign of life in the Son of God. Couldn't this God have done something? And all the people who tried to get rid of Jesus says, make sure He's still dead. And they checked the tomb and it was still sealed. And the guards were still on lookout. Nobody's taking this body. He's not going anywhere. Nobody. But I got to tell you, sometimes you have to go through a very dark Saturday to get to that Sunday. And it's not a pretty place. And it can hurt and be one of the loneliest places you'll ever walk through. But yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shall fear no evil. For the Lord thy God is with you. His rod and staff comfort you. And God is trying to tell you today, and I believe this is the message that He has, it may be Friday in your life, what you're going through. It might be the darkest Saturday you've ever been through in this season of your life. But Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. As sure as day follows night, and night follows day, and spring follows winter, Sunday is coming. Jesus proved through the resurrection that God does what He says He will do. That He delivers the way He says that He will. God knows what He's doing. When Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is coming. This stuff we're going through is small potatoes compared to what God's going to do on the other side. All you got to do is go through it. And we want to look at the problem and say it's a problem. We need a solution. You don't need a solution. You need God. You need God in such a way that you tell the problem you can't beat me. I don't care what you do to me one way or another. God's got me and He'll have me forever. 
No problem you ever face will ever take God's promise of eternity with Him away from you. Of all of the things that God has promised, Easter Sunday proves that. Why would God put His Son through a crucifixion without a resurrection? It makes no sense. If He's dead and stays dead, what good is it that we're forgiven and we're still dead? But He gave His life so we would be a part of His death and part of His resurrection. You can read about that in Romans 6. You'll find a lot there. You'll find a lot about the struggle in Romans 7 and the victory in Romans 8 where we are. It says in verse 19 that the creation waits for those who are the sons of God to be revealed as such. What does that mean? That there's some wannabes out there. All creation wants all the people who belong to God to be revealed all at once, that all the tares be separated from the wheat and out of the way so we can all rejoice as one in Jesus Christ. All creation suffers for that moment. And we're a part of creation. And so we struggle for that. And we go, God, but if you really love me, you would stop this. And God's saying, I do love you. And that is not something I'm going to stop right now. The problem is not the problem. It's our thinking about the problem that gets us in trouble. Thinking that if God doesn't provide a solution, He doesn't care. Does Jesus care when my heart is sad with trials too great to bear? Oh yes, He cares. I know He cares. I know He cares. Even in the midst of something that's causing me struggle, I know How do I know? Because God did something when I was born again that He does in every believer is He gives you this little knower inside. I don't know how to explain the knower real good, but I know that I know. Even when I have doubts, I still know that I know. God, you're not fixing this, but I know that I know. That thing, I didn't put in there. Because before that moment, I didn't know. And I didn't know anything. I doubted everything, but there's a knower in there that won't let me doubt. Doesn't matter how bad this world gets, even in my worst part of depression and loneliness and despair, I knew that I knew. That was the only thing that kept me going, was that I knew that I knew. But that's because God put something in there that death can't defeat, that problems can't take away, that the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. I promise you, God does the same for each person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. It's not a hard thing to figure out. God does the work. One day, in verse 21, all of creation will be delivered from bondage in corruption. And all the stuff that's junk will go away and will be in the freedom that belongs to God's children. God did not create you to be a sick person, to be a spiritually dead person, to be a person with a broken heart. God didn't create you to be that. That is not part of the kingdom. 
God created you for love, joy, and peace, and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That other stuff the world has piled on you. The enemy has come, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy hope. And he does a good job of it. He sneaks in every which way he can. But he doesn't come into the door. <laughs> you saw the enemy coming, you said, Oh, you can't come in. He comes in, says Scripture, another way. And that's why, in the midst of the darkness, we don't know how it happened. How did I get here? What caused this? What did I do wrong? We keep doing that uh, idea that God is a God of karma. I don't know how many people think like that, but I hear it all the time. If I just would have prayed more, this wouldn't have happened. If I'd have just done this, then that wouldn't have happened, and God wouldn't have let that happen. It, your prayers are not going to change what God's going to do if He's intending to do it. God's not throwing bad in your life because you've done bad over here. He doesn't do that. He causes rain on both the just and the unjust. The rain of God's blessing isn't because you were good or bad. It's because God can bless regardless. What I understand about the faith, and maybe you understand this too, is that there's nothing else like the grace of God found in Jesus Christ. I understand that and my knower knows it. In Hebrews chapter 12, I want you to find hope in these words. It's probably, for me, one of the most potent, powerful passages of Scripture. He's talking to the people about how God corrects His children. And then He says some practical instructions on how to live out the Christian faith. And he says, don't back down from what you believe even when it's uncomfortable or when it feels like it's not working. And in verse 18, he tells you why. Why do we not back down? The Israelites backed down, okay? They backslid. They kept running from God, creating false gods with a calf and choosing idols over the real God. And, and he's talking about those people. He says, you've not come to a mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, which is where Moses was on the mount with God, and to blackness and darkness and tempest. This is the mount of God where Moses is on there and the cloud covers it and people are afraid. God was trying to speak to the people directly out of that dark cloud on the mountain and they were so afraid. They said, Moses, you talk to him and come back to us and tell us what he said because we can't come near. That's it there in Scripture. And uh, it says, You've not, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. So the trumpet would sound and God would speak. And they couldn't handle it. The power of God. I didn't plan on saying this, but this is to me kind of ironic. Here's God on the mountain speaking to His people and He's the problem. <laughs> we got to stop God from talking to us because it's too overwhelming. 
God, you're the problem. Get out of our way. Let Moses talk to you. We'll just use him. He'll be our solution. I don't know about you, but if God's talking, I want to hear him direct. I don't want to hear Moses. Even if what God scares me, I still need to hear it. But they see hearing God as a problem. For most of us in this room, I think you'd say, if God spoke right now, I'd be okay with that. No matter what He said. But they said, Moses is the problem. For they could not endure what was commanded. And what it said is, if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it would be stoned or shot with an arrow. It was so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm afraid and I'm trembling as well. The power of God. The power that raises Jesus from the dead. You can't fathom it. But it spun this world into orbit and all the stars in place. And he says, you haven't come to that kind of mountain. He says, you've come to Mount Zion. The city of a living God. Mount Zion, by the way, is Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem is what you've come to. To an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly in the church of the firstborn. You are a church of the firstborn. There are no second generation believers. You are firstborn with Jesus and every other believer. You all have equal status. You all have the same liberties, rights, and fellowship with Jesus Christ when you belong to God. You've come to that general assembly um, and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. <laughs> yeah, if, uh, if it's registered in heaven, do you think a trial on this earth is going to be able to unwrite it? If God has written it in ink in heavenly places, do you think a bad day is going to make this world unwrite God's work? I think not. You've come to the God, the judge of all, of all the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Do you understand? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ on Friday, you can have a Sunday. Because of the trial, you get the celebration. For some reason, we don't want to go through the trial. We just want the celebration. But if you walk in the faith, God will make sure you're serious about Him. And see if you call on Him and stick with Him when the problems arise. I have a lot of tough stuff in life. We all have. We're all not immune to problems. But we're also not immune to the grace of Jesus Christ that speaks to them. And what it says is, your time is short-lived, probably. <coughs> two plus two is a problem. The answer to the problem is the answer to the problem. But we know the answer to that one, don't we? We don't stress over that problem. It's the ones we don't have answers for that require faith 
to say the problem you're pretty ominous <laughs> you're pretty dangerous looking but I gotta tell you something I read the back of the book and you're not gonna defeat me and you can't take what God has given from me for he's given me life and he's given it to the fullest and he's given it to me eternally and you can't touch that and right now my life may feel a little overwhelming the Sunday's coming. You see, God made a promise. I'm not a great big fan of the cold, cold winter you have where it's been below zero for a length of time. I don't like that stuff. And one winter not too far ago, it seemed like it was never going to be spring. But God made a promise. And he made a promise to Noah. You remember what it was? That as long as this earth remains, seed time and harvest, the four seasons, the wet and the dry, will occur without fail. And since that time, the four seasons have remained. Day has followed night, seed time, and harvest have all happened. So what season are you in? Are you in the cold winter? Are things dying? Are you in the spring where new life is starting to come up and joy is starting to come alive? Or are you in the flourishing summer where everything's just growing like crazy and and you just got free open sailing, just life wide open. Or, or, or are you in the autumn where things are starting to kind of fade a little bit and you're starting to lose some of the joy? Where are you at? But I've got to tell you, no matter where you're at, God says, after winter comes spring. It happened as God promised Noah, and it still does today. Now hear me on this. God said through the prophets that the Messiah must die. That he must be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes from the whips, we will be healed. And he will be silent like a lamb fled to slaughter. And this Messiah will die. But he 